Welcome to Curious with Josh Peck. Start the show. Welcome back to the Curious Podcast. My name is Josh Peck, and I'm your host, and your name is Listener. And that's what you do. You listen. Guys, what a week. What a life, really. Sorry. I'm sitting by a hospital, apparently, because there are more freaking sirens going by me than um, a major, like, a, a major incident. What is happening here? Really, I mean, listen, I understand the need for sirens. And I, you, listen, do I respect a siren? You better freaking believe it. I pull over hard when an ambulance goes by. I'll cross three or four lanes. I'll drive on the sidewalk. And then I'll put my arm out the window and literally wave the ambulance by me just to reinforce how much I'm complying. Because I believe in it. You know what I'm saying? There could be someone in that ambulance who is dying. And if they got stuck behind my $100,000 SUV, who knows if they would survive, if they would get to the hospital in time, you know? I'll be an escort for an ambulance, honestly. You know what I'm saying? Like if an ambulance came by me and they rolled down their window and they said, excuse me, civilian, and I said, yes, EMT worker. (laughs) And he said, um... We've got, we've got a situation, and I would reply, situations, I was born for situations. And then he says, I need to get to the nearest hospital, but I need to make sure that, like, no ninjas or hijackers or gang members try to, like, block our way. Can you run interference with your automobile while I, the EMT driver, gets this sad patient to safety? And I would say... It would be not only an honor, but my responsibility, and I would be happy to assist you. Let's hit it. I'm going to need sirens and lights. Let's go. And I would, you know, I would be the subterfuge in between that ambulance and any, you know, waves of danger that came our way. I'm talking, you know, if it was like James Bond style and people tried to shoot like oil traps to make the wheels skid out or had like those little mini rockets that come up from under like the undercarriage of the car and shoot it at the ambulance I would interfere and and I would die a silent hero which is basically my only goal in life anyway speaking of death I'm 33 it was my birthday on Sunday it was a nice birthday my kid is sick, my wife is sick, so it really wasn't about me at all. And you know what? That's fine by me. I, you know, it's amazing. The one thing I will say amongst like the many wonderful uh, sort of mm, blessings or, or positives of sobriety, the, the ability in which to accept when things aren't about me as like a sort of... Uh, Uh, surreptitious blessing has been one of the great sort of qualities, many qualities that I've learned in doing a little work on myself, you know, because this Sunday, my birthday would have been the perfect setup for me to get good and, um, dissatisfied with my situation, unhappy that there wasn't more focus on me, expectation of the way things should have gone. And basically I would have turned what was a little bit of a challenging situation into something ever so worse. Because I would have made it all about me. When the reality is, I'm a grown-up, so I don't need to be having fucking 
birthdays as it is. It's like enough already. I got friends who are like, I'm 44. I rented out a hall. I'm like, you're 44? And you're fucking, or like the worst is when they're like, we're going to go to Dave and Buster's. I'm like, I don't want to play Time Crisis with you, bro. Like, with all due respect, you know, I just don't want to, like, you've had a, you know, a healthy amount of birthdays. You've been on this earth for a while. Let the children enjoy birthdays and we'll go out to dinner like grownups do. You know what I mean? But like people that put emphasis on their birthday after 21, it's kind of all downhill from here anyway. Let's be honest. I understand a milestone birthday, 30, 40, 50, maybe 35. I get that. You know, maybe you want to put a little bit of extra razzle-dazzle on it. But overall, get over it already. Fuck. We all have a birthday. It's not that special. And mine sure wasn't this weekend. But you know what? I woke up. My wife didn't feel good. My kid, he don't feel good. And when kids get sick, it's sad. They got the little baby cough coming out of the little baby lungs with their baby mucus. It's sad. He's struggling. So I said, come on. Through the kid in the carriage. I don't know. I guess it's called a stroller. I don't know why I call it a carriage. I feel like a, you know, like a 19th century, like horse and buggy driver. Um, throw him in. I said to the wife, I said, wife, you relax you. You take some medicines, some of the Sudafeds and the whatnots. You relax, recover. I'm, dad is here. Birthday? What? I have no conception that it's my birthday. I'm so fucking selfless. (laughs) Anyway, she went to bed, appreciative. I took that kid around the farmer's market. We had a nice time. Drove him around, slept in the car, did errands, listened to podcasts, came home. You know, the wife's feeling a little better. Kid takes a nap. Boom, we have a nice dinner. That's it. That's all I needed. And, uh... And it turned out to be a wonderful day because I didn't get in the way of it, which is my responsibility. And I would uh, venture to guess, and I don't mean to project your responsibility in life, which is, and I can distill it down to an easy phrase that I think is one of the most important things to remember at all times. Don't make shit worse. Don't make a good situation worse and don't make a bad situation worse. It kind of works both ways. And I used to be the king of that. Because I would make it all about me. And if I had, some, if I was dissatisfied with the way in which the situation was going, you better believe I was going to make it known. But now, I sit back. I let it happen. And I try to make the best of it. Yeah. On today's show, Tim Grover. Know him? I mean, this guy is incredible. He's kind of, what would you say? He's a little bit of like the sports whisperer. He's a best-selling author and keynote speaker. He's worked with everyone from Michael Jordan to Kobe Bryant. And he's just kind of brilliant when it comes to the, you know, the mindset and the mental game of an athlete. He's, um, he, he's renowned, you know, he's, his book, Relentless, is a, is a must-read, and there's a reason why he's worked with some of the greatest athletes in the world, because not only physically, but mentally, he can help them to sort of continue to work at their highest capacity, or maybe, just maybe, 
break through to that next level. So I'm fascinated by, uh, you know, whisperers like this, guys that really know how to sort of get into the mind of greatness. And so I really appreciate that Tim sat down with me. Uh, Tim had read my bio before the podcast, and I think he, you know, he kind of, there was a bit of an emphasis on my voiceover work. I think he was very interested in that. So we do talk a lot about that. But uh, yeah, here's Tim. Enjoy Tim Grover. All right. Thank you. Perfect. Love it. Come on. Tim, thank you for doing this, man. Oh, no problem, man. Thank you for having me out here. This is, this is awesome, man. Adjusting the schedule and everything. You know, everybody's busy. Yes. So, yeah. So I'm glad I was, she was sitting on the plane. She was like, now we got to switch everything around. I was like, <laughs> and then here's the crazy part about this. Not only were we two and a half hours delayed, the internet kept going in and out. So she'd send an email and try to send it. No internet. Wait a half hour and get back on. Yeah, because we were out. It was like, listen, I know how difficult it was for you guys to schedule this. I was like, we got to get this done. But thank you so much. I'm all yeah. yours. Yeah, I appreciate you it. You, you kidding me? Um, all right. So listen, first question. You, you've worked with the greats. Thank you. Kobe Bryant. Mm. Michael Jordan. Yeah. Just to name a few. <laughs> Take me in right now. Am I exuding anything that they exude? Is there any connection here? Well, listen. But you got... <laughs> Maybe not from a physical standpoint, even though you're height wise. I'm already you, you got you got you got I'm already some, hurt. You got some you it. got some height. But listen, you know what I try to tell is nobody there's people in the NBA that aren't gonna play basketball like those guys. Mm. There's just not. But from a mindset standpoint, you know, if you look at the accomplishments that individuals have done, and you know what I like to do is I do very few podcasts. Very few. All right. I like to do them with unique individuals, and I also like to do them with people that have actually done something mm. so you know right now i was actually i was reading over your bio of all the stuff that you've done and I that, saw that. That, you, that you've done and the thing that impresses me the most is on your bio not only you talk about your accomplishments you talk about your challenges also you know you, you said hey listen you know health and weight has always been an, has always been an issue for you so you're you're open about that and the other thing that's like really impressive that i find this is where i say the connection is with you with like a kobe bryant or a, or my or a michael jordan or Ooh, those individuals i'm listening okay you didn't pigeonhole yourself into one thing actor mm. youtube sensation you know voiceover now there's that's something special because people don't realize how much work and talent it takes to do something like that. I was fortunate enough to be on the on the set with uh, Michael Jordan when he did the Space Jam many many years ago. No way. Yeah. So it got I got to see like the real the background of how all that works and the green screens and the animation and the different voiceovers and the things that people have to do to so to be able to hear and sit with an individual that's had so much success in all these different things and the different characters you've done. You know, you've been part of uh, a Scooby-Doo movie, uh, the uh, uh, Ninja Turtles and all, Tim, all, all, these, all these all these different things. But it's, it's saying being able to be so diverse and successful in all these different things. You know, it's like, okay, so I was like, all right, you take, let's say you take your Ninja 
uh, Ninja Turtle. Let's consider that the offensive part of a basketball game. And then you have, then you have your your Scooby Doo or even your video games that you know you do voice you do stuff for video games. That could be your defensive part. So you have the ability to adjust. Your ability, you know, if the offense isn't working on one time, you can go you can go on the defense. If the defense isn't working, you can go on the offense. That's how I would characterize your mental ability as the same as these players. So if Michael and Kobe they're not shooting well that day, well, how can I still have an impact on the industry? How can I still have an impact on the game? Well, how can I still have an impact on my fans? So that's what you did is like, all right, if I can't do this, I can still do this over here. I can still do this over here. So if, I can, if I'm not making shots, I can still play defense. I can still pass. I can still do this. So the being able to be so diverse in all these different things is how I would compare your talent to the athletes that I deal with. First of all, flattered. Thank it's you. the truth, Tim. And let me tell you, I only, I, I only wish that someone I love and could do a voiceover movie, a television show. Between you and I, it's the best freaking gig in Hollywood. You could show up in your pajamas. You do these silly voices. Right, pays great. It's mailbox money, baby. It's <laughs> outstanding. Yeah, but to have the, you know, to have the ability, I don't. I talk in one way, one tone. So when I hear it, when I hear, when I'm sitting with somebody and I see the people that can do all these different voices and the different characters, it's a real unique talent. Even though you show up, you know, you could show up like you said in your pajamas and your slippers. You're still working at it. You know, you're so you you know, you're like, okay, when you're in the mirror, you're brushing your teeth, you're practicing your voices, you that that is still requires a lot of work. So just cuz you're not you're not physically in a, you know, outfit that's in a movie or whatever it is the preparation still stays the same you still have to know the words you still have to know where the pitch is up and down it's like it's like you know it's like studying a um it's like, like a playbook a playbook yeah sure. exactly it's like being you know this is what the opponent does this is what they're going to say this is what what's going on everything has got it's got the easier it flows the better it's going to look the better it's going to work and if you make it easier and and you're more prepared that's why people call you back over and over again. And, you know, nobody wants, no one wants to work with somebody that's difficult. Mm-hmm. And the most talented individuals in sports and business are the ones that always work the hardest. It's interesting what you just said about how, you know, players like Kobe and Michael or cleaners, which mm-hmm. is your term for, for greats like that. And you said, like, and I'm paraphrasing that they can't be all things all the time, right? That inevitably there will be days when perhaps that their shot is off. Mm-hmm. And so they have to focus on these other places where they can be impactful. Right. Is that a part of being great is understanding that inevitably your body's going to break down the environment, that there are going to be some factors that are just out of your control and your ability in which to pivot in moments like that. Oh, 100%. Listen, one of the things, why? how can an athlete... Ha- play for a very long time and play at a very high level. You know, no matter who you are, father time is undefeated. From an athletic standpoint, you're going to lose, you're going to just become slower. That's just the way the body is. All right. And it's genetics has a lot to do with it, just with the way age sets in and the different things that that happen in there. I'm not going to get into all the different signs. So what we would do is as a player got into their, 30s, middle 30s, and so forth. We're like, okay, the body's going to slow down, but can we speed up the mind 
so we see things a little bit faster. We can react a little bit things. So, so instead of seeing in the earlier time in the career, we used to see one play ahead. Now, as we get older, can we see two and three things ahead? So what we're losing physically, we're, we're, we're making up mentally. So we're mentally, we're mentally being able to see the play happen before it's going to happen. We've studied the tendencies of the different, uh, the different athletes that we have to play again so we can use that against them. So instead of, out, instead of trying to out-athletic them, we can outsmart them. We can outthink them. We know what their weakness is and so forth. So that's that's how these guys. That's how a guy like a Tom Brady, you know, uh, Roger Federer, these people that have played for and have had success for you know uh, for years and years to do. They know they're going to lose something physically, but they gain it from a mental standpoint, from the mental from the mental edge. They study a little harder. They understand their opponent's tendencies. They understand their weaknesses, and they know that if mentally, if they can stay in the game, if they can stay in the game, and they know they're more stronger up here than their opponent is because their opponent is probably going to be stronger physically than they are they're eventually going to wear down just think about it it you know we all go to the gym and we work out all right what yeah you look great thank you thank you very much i'd love to know your (laughs) regimen you can go over that before we're done sorry (laughs) so you know when you quit at something in the gym what is it? Most of it, it's up in here. You know, when you say like, I didn't do an extra rep or I could have stayed on the treadmill a little longer, elliptical, whatever it is, you'll, let, you'll, you'll give up mentally before you'll give up physically. So, you know, I, I've heard you talk about this. Michael Jordan was one of the first people you started working with when you... He was my first professional client, believe it or not. So, okay, I, let's, let's go <sighs> beat by beat. Mm-hmm. You get the call. Do you go, what the hell? Am I gonna tell Michael Jordan? No, see, it wasn't. See, here's the whole thing. I didn't know it was uh, it was Michael. So what I did was I sent out all these letters to. Um, there's 15 players on an NBA team. All right, that you have 12 active and you have three three inactive. They changed the terms now. So I sent out 14 letters. The one player I did not send a letter to was Michael Jordan. I was like, well, you know, he's already the, he's one of the top players. Why does he need my Why does he need my services? All right. So I get one response back from the person I didn't send a letter to. All right. So what it was, he didn't directly contact me. So the team athletic trainer and the team physician, he contacted them and told them, hey, find out what this, find out what this is about. What did the letter say? The letter just said, listen, I just, I, I graduated from, you know, I just finished my master's degree in exercise science. My thesis was on training basketball players and, you know, how to prevent injuries and become more athletic or so forth. I would like the opportunity, you know, to work with you guys, you know, not expecting anything, not looking for any pay, just, hey, I have some knowledge here that can really, that can really, that Mm. that, not that I think that I know can benefit you and I have the work, I have the the science behind it to prove it, you know. So I, you know, I'd say, "Here's the workout. This is what we would do, and here's the science to back. Here's the science to back it up." So what happened was the um, athletic, uh, I'm sorry, the athletic trainer, the team doctor contacted me, and then they said, "Hey, we have a player that's interested." I didn't know it was. I didn't know who it was. So for three months, they literally three, four days a week, 
they would bring me into the office. They would drill me on stuff to make sure I knew what I was talking about. It was like going through college all over again, you know, about the physiology, anatomy. What would you do if this injury happened? How would you handle this situation? How, how do you make a player faster? What, what, what would happen if, you know, what would happen if you sprained your, uh, f- you know, your fifth metatarsal? Okay, I got it. So I'd give them all the answers. Then that went on for about three months, and they said, okay, by the way, now we want you to meet our. Now we want you to meet the client that's interested. So they said, "Be at this address at I think it was twelve thirty one o'clock after practice." So I, I just still didn't know. I get the address. I drive down there. I knock on the door. I knock on the door. Michael Jordan opens the door. It's his house. It's his house. Nice now, house. Well, see now back then, bit of a giveaway. Yeah, but no, no. But see back then, this is where you could just walk on the. It was a, it was a nice house, but it wasn't. Yeah. yeah. Okay, balling. so let's put it this way, it was a house. It wasn't an estate. Fair. Okay. Fair. <laughs> so All right. Like, no so, major fountain right, in the front. Yeah, I right. get it. No fence. No nothing. So you just you just go in there and knock on the door. Man, this was in '89, and back then, remember, when Michael was playing, before he signed his mat, you know, his thirty, his two years deals that were over thirty million dollars a year. The most he was making a year was four million dollars. Mm. So this was in the beginning of his career. So he was probably. During that time, making maybe a little over a million, million and a half. So it wasn't like this big, big, big elaborate thing. So he opens the door. I'm not a starstruck person. I've never been. So, okay, this is Michael. I'm ready. It didn't matter who the, I had, I had done my homework on all 15 players on the team. So no matter who it was, I knew, I knew their tendencies. I knew their injuries going all the way back to, you know, high school. Sure. Yeah. Well. You weren't bummed it wasn't Scotty no, Pippen. No, exactly. You, know right. you, <laughs> you want Mikey. You're right. So then I sat down with him. We saw it, talked for about maybe about a half hour, 45 minutes, went through everything, you know, my background, what I can do. These were different issues. And he goes, this sounds too good. I said, give me 30 days. I said, give me 30 days. 30 days turned into 15 years. And this is how competitive it was. So I was there on an afternoon. I was there on... In the afternoon, I said, when do you want to start? He goes, tomorrow. So I literally had to equip his basement with a, gy- with a gym that night. What do you do? Well, you know, I'm fortunate, fortunate enough I, have en- I had enough contacts in there. So I was able to call some people and say, hey, this is what I need to do. This is what I need. They said, when do you need it? I said, it's got to be delivered tonight. Yeah. Tonight. So, you know, I told him and Michael said, hey, listen. I think they had a they had a road game or something that that evening. I said, "Hey," he goes, "Yeah, the, you know, somebody let you in the house." So, literally that night, myself and other people were fixing up the equipment in his house. So when he came back the next day, the gym and everything everything was set up. And you know, he's sort of known for being unapologetically serious about what he does and his persona. Some might say not super affable in moments. Were you in, was he that way then? And was that intimidating? It wasn't intimidating because I'm the, I'm the same way. Mm. You know, I, it, it was like, I have a saying that, you know, everyone tries to say, well, find somebody to balance you out. You know, the yin and the yang, the complete opposite. I, I, um, I go a different direction. I say find somebody who's just as effed up as you are, who is just as crazy as you are, because you know 
your desire, your goals, your ambitions, everything is the, everything is the same. You know, I knew his mentality of how he wanted to get, how he wanted to get better, how he wanted to be the best, how he wanted multiple champion, how he wanted multiple championships. And, and I felt the same way. Whenever I have a client, you know, I put everything into that client. I want them to succeed. Their successes is my success. Their failures are my failures. No matter what happens, I'm there. So I knew I was just as crazy as he was. But his, the one thing, his accountability to himself was so great. You know, you have other individuals where other people's accountability and they want it more than you do. He wanted it as much as I wanted it for him. He wanted it even more for himself. And where do you think when you see guys like that, or I heard you on another podcast talking about like Tom Brady, who mm-hmm. said after the, or I'm sorry, before the recent Super Bowl, like win or lose, I'll be back next season. Yeah. After being arguably the greatest quarterback sure. I mean, already solidified. What is, are you born with that? Is it that need to continue to produce even far surpassing sort of you've, you've accomplished every goal you've been to the mountaintop. What's that born out of? You know, I don't, it's, well, it's born out, it's something that can be taught. Is it mean dads? You, you know, no, I won't, no, it's not mean dads. So this is why I think it's, I always say there's something that's happened to everybody in their life that allows them to go in a certain direction. All right. It, you can go back there and how you handle that situation is going to kind of pretty much determine which way you're going to go when adverse when adversity hits? Now you know you take Tom Brady as an as an example, and I might be off on this, but I think he was the 199th player picked in the draft. Did you see That's his 40? It was like six seconds. Yeah. So I could run that. Right. So and he's always remembered that. He's always he's always you know he went to college. He wasn't the starter. Then he finally got a chance to start. He was drafted 199th, and he and when he got his op, when he got his opportunity, he was never going he was never going to give that back. So some individuals, you know, when they're not playing for a team or things aren't going well, oh, it's the coach's fault. I'm in the wrong system. I'm in this. He owned it all. Mm. He owned it all. And what he did was. Those individuals, they use that stuff to keep their fire lit. That's what keeps them going. They don't need validation from other people because the pressure they put on themselves, it's so much greater than anybody else. I'll give you, I'll give you a great example. And you could tell, and I, without even having to discuss this with you, I know I'm right on this. All right. When you do a voiceover for a movie or whatever it is, and whoever the producer, whoever the director is hearing it, and they're like, oh, that sounds awesome. You go like, no, it didn't sound well to me. I need to do it again. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, you like, I, I need I to. I push myself. Yeah, I need, yeah. To, I need to do it again. No, even, for, for sure. Yeah, you're just yeah. like, even though you're like, somebody else is, oh, nobody else is ever going to pick that up. You picked it up. Yeah, there's like a self-governance going on and... Yeah, you can't get, you know, I'm the witness to my bad behavior. So when sure. I don't feel like I've achieved a certain glo- a goal or, or lived up to an expectation, I suffer. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. Two years ago, um, when the Patriots were in the Super Bowl and Tom Brady dropped that, remember, they, they, they ran that play, I don't know if it was in what quarter, they threw him the ball and he dropped it. Mm. That's all he could remember. He didn't, and, and in that game, he set... The record for most yards in a Super Bowl. 
was I think it was five hundred and something. All he could remember was he dropped that pass. He could drop that pass. He dropped that pass. All right. Even everybody else was like, ah, oh, you know, it doesn't matter. That's what sits in mind. So when you hear that one thing that isn't right, your accountability to yourself is so high. No one else has to tell you. No one else has to tell you. Nowadays, it's you get people let things slide too easily. They don't pay they don't pay attention to the details. You know, they say, oh, don't sweat the small stuff. If you want to be successful, if you want to be elite, if you want to be that individual, you have to sweat everything. You have to sweat every little detail. Do you think that, and I don't mean to diminish Tom Brady in any way, because, you know, God knows Tommy ain't worried about Josh Peck. But, you know, again, in in the area of, of playing team sports like this, and you've got 10 other guys on the field, you've got this beautiful marriage of Bill mm-hmm. Belichick and Tom Brady. It, does he become Tom Brady without those outside forces that sort of allowed him to truly shine in that system? Is he the same player without that? You know, I, I listen, I think he would, I think those individuals, no matter where you put them, they're always going, they're always going to succeed. Now, a lot of individuals have those support systems. They just don't use them correctly. Mm. You know, it, it, it's a, a lot of times, you know, jealousy and ego gets, gets in the way. The one thing you've always noticed about these individuals, you know, Kobe Bryant, you know, Serena Williams, uh, Wayne Gretzky, Tom Brady, the first people they give accolades to is always others. It's all. It's never about themselves. If you go back and look at Michael Jordan's uh, Hall of Fame uh, speech, and it, the first thing he said when he got first thing, he said, "I would have never won the six championships without Scottie Pippen." First thing, and the and the the moment was about him. So these individuals understand how important those people are in keeping them in the right direction, helping them, educate them. And they're not willing to, sh- they're not, they have no problem giving praises to those individuals because those individuals will give praise back to you. There's a saying that says, you know, I use this all the time. When you're good, you tell everybody else. But when you're great, they tell you, mm. you know, and that's what the greats do. Everybody else knows how great these individuals are. Everybody knows how great Bill Belichick is as a coach. Everybody knows to, uh, how good um, how good and great Tom Brady is. And if you look at his receivers, the greats, what they do is they put people in situations to succeed. You know, everyone, you have a, uh, an excellent coach like that. Coaches always look at, well, this player can't do this. They can't do this. The exceptional coaches say, yeah, but this is what they can do. Don't tell me what they can't do. Tell me what they can do. And that's and what happens with Tom Brady is he makes it so easy for his teammates to do certain things. Like he, the receivers, most most of the passes he throws. Like, you know, people, uh, when you're playing football, a receiver will say, listen, this is where I'm going to hit you. This is where you need it. Tom Brady makes it. He goes, listen, I'm throwing it to these two fingers. Mm. He's not, you know, I'm not throwing it to your palm. I'm not throwing it. To, this is where it's going. You have one job. Catch the ball. Dang. That's all I said. That's all you have to do. I, I, I will do everything else for you. I will make it. You go out. You run, te- you run 10 yards. You break left. When you take two steps, put your hands up. The ball is going to hit you right here. All you got to do is catch it. Do you know I played a quarterback in a movie? 
Did you? I had to do two weeks of, of, of football camp. Uh huh. I lined up behind the wrong guy. I didn't line up behind the center. <laughs> I lined up like two alignment, two guys over. It was very embarrassing. The director was watching. Uh, it wasn't great, Tim. I'm not proud of it. Yeah, but see, that's the thing. You can laugh about it, but how was the movie? Movie's not great. Uh, <laughs> so listen, we've all had it. We've all we've had other, we've all had, had it happens. Certain, but that's the thing. The p the, when you can laugh at it, and you can joke about it, and you use it as a learning experience. You know, there's some common things to say, listen, if you can laugh at yourself and you laugh at laugh with others and you don't take it so seriously, that's when it becomes a learning process. If you constantly beat yourself up over and over and over again, then it's going to carry, then it's going to carry on, then it's going to carry on to something else. Is it, uh, I'm interested to hear this because I would imagine athletes share this with like, I've been privy to being around like some really successful, famous people. Sure. And they're interesting animals. In that, this might be me projecting, but they're different than us. They're specific. And I feel like you have to be careful in that energy because it's, it changes. It be does. That level of dedication, you know, you've got to be very wary of it. You're not afforded the same sort of give and take that you would with just a normal It's friend. true. So yeah. how, were there moments in that for you where you kind of said, let me sort of fall back into the periphery here and let, you know, this particular athlete have their moment. What was your, well, the one thing I've, I've always stayed in the background. That's one of the reasons I've been so successful is like, listen, it, this is their, I'm a part of their success. I'm part of their failures. I, they're the ones that, that are to shine. The better they do, the better I look. I don't need to be in, I don't need to be in front of the camera. You know, I knew certain accolades, certain events, certain parties, you know, certain award ceremonies, I would not be a part of, you know, yeah. it's like, you, you, but you know that, you know, he who expects nothing will never be disappointed. So when you got to go to those things, you were like, oh, great. But it was never presumed. It was never assumed that you get to go to those things. You have to understand what you're doing for. There's too many times people now, especially in my business, they want to do the interviews. They want to take all the credit. They want to be out in the. They want to be out in the forefront. And you're never going to last that long with the with the you know with the way social media is. Keep right. your clients. Keep your clients' success first. Let them shine. The best way you can get acknowledged is to have the clients say something about you. You know, I've had I've been blessed enough that you know to have testimonials both written and verbal by my highest my highest end clients that's that's the biggest thing that you can do then you know you're doing then you know then you know you're doing your job because a person that matters the most noticed now after a, a crushing loss for you know they've even you know Michael Jordan Kobe it's just mm -hmm. part of the game when do you check in with them that night do you wait a day? No, Do you give it some time. Right, right, right away, right away. Like I listen, I would. There, we would always be the last ones to leave the locker room. You know, Kobe Bryant was the last one to always leave. The, I mean, the 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 whole security from the Staples Center used to be gone. All right, and he would still be in there. You just that's his moment. You just leave him alone. You just wait outside. Then when he come, when he comes out, he may, if he wants to discuss something with you. 
that that's what it called. You don't say it. You don't say anything to him. Michael, after every single game, I would either say five, six, or seven. Okay, meaning I'll be working out at five a.m., six a.m., or seven a.m. Or sometimes I wouldn't say anything, and Michael would right before he'd get into his car, he would turn around and look at me and either do five, this or this. So I knew if I had the next day, I was either at the at his house at five a.m., six a.m. Or 7 a.m. Did you ever say, Mike, maybe 10? No. It's a little early. It's a little early. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It, but that, it's his routine. Sure. That was, his, that, was, that was his routine. You know, he had to stay, he had to stay, stay on the routine because and in his mind, is like, if I'm not putting, and this is what you said earlier about the conversation being a little different and, you know, the way they think, they're so competitive that if they think, they feel like if they miss a day that somebody else is gaining on them. Mm. Like, okay, now, all right, if I don't work out today, if I, if I don't work out tomorrow, well, it's so-and-so, did they work out? Not, so it's one of Yeah, they're gaining one, on me. Yes. So that, that, that's, that's, the, that's the edge. That's how they keep their short, uh, sword sharp. That's how they keep that edge going. Is there a part of you that when, you know, to your point, like, Guys like this that hold themselves to such a high standard and are so driven, is there a part of you that sometimes feels like you have to... I already know the question you're about to ask. To reassure them, like be the support, instead of like being being the, the hammer, mm-hmm. you know, because I think that we grow up watching sports movies and we think it's just like the, the tough coach type who's like really hammering in the point. But like with guys at this level who like hold themselves to such a high standard, are you like... Maybe I just need to like tell them that like they're the best. <laughs> Is there a reassurance part of it? Do you take a different angle instead of being like Well, you have to know the personality of the individual. You know, mm-hmm. it's funny. It's individuals that some are motivated by, you know, a stern voice and others are motivated by a pat on the back. You can never get those two confused because if you have an individual that's all that's motivated by a stern message and you pat them on the back, they're like you got soft on me all of a sudden. <laughs> right. You know? And then you have the other individuals that, you know, always need the positive reinsurance. And if you get in their face, you totally lose them. So you got to kind of watch. You got to understand their upbringing. You got to see how, how they work around other individuals to know which, which way goes uh, what. But those guys, the really competitive ones, you really don't have to say anything to them because they're so hard on them. They're so hard and critical on themselves that you don't. They don't need any extra. They don't need any extra reinsurance. They don't need anything. What they do need is sometimes, and this is a big part of uh, my job, is to tell them when enough is enough. Mm. You know, that, that, that's when it is, you know, it's just like, Hey, listen, all right, we've read the playbook enough. That, that's it. That, it. You've already worked. You've, we've done enough work on enough shots. You got, you got, you got to, you got to, you got to keep them away from themselves because they'll keep going. They'll keep, they'll keep going. They just don't overtrain. Yeah. They just don't know. They just, it, it's just constant push, push, push. And then somebody has got to tell them, Hey, and they're, <laughs> and a lot of these individuals, there's a fear factor with them. You know, people don't want to tell them anything. And you have to have somebody has to be like, hey, well, and they, 
they res- they may hate you for it in the moment, but they they under- they respect you because you're not like everybody else. Somebody's willing to step up and say, either you this is enough, or you you know you did this wrong, or you should have handled the situation this way. And they already know it, though. They already know it. You know, so sometimes before you even get that message out, they already said, "I took care of it." It's interesting. Have you ever worked with players or watched guys like this? Because listen, the the gestation process, the the level at which you have to gain as an athlete is quick. Mm-hmm. And I, I was just watching the NBA draft the other day, and mm-hmm. I'm like, these kids look like babies. They are babies. They're like 18 years yes. old, and or, or you know, 19, 20. It was funny. I was watching Alexander Ovechkin from the sure. Washington Capitals once on like a behind the ice type shit, mm-hmm. and he's literally, arguably, one of the greatest players sure. in the NHL. And in his off time, he was playing video games and eating his mom's cooking. Yeah. And I was like, you're like 11. Yeah. <laughs> were there moments like that, too, where you were like, this is the greatest athlete in the world, and he's like playing Connect Four? And like, Yeah, it's it's hard. You know what? It, it's the generation has changed. So it's it's changed so much. You know, uh, the thing with my, you know, my athletes that are, are retired now, you know, the Dwayne's, the uh, Kobe's and the Michael. I was closer to age than they were. You know, Michael and I, Michael's a couple of maybe a year older, a year and a half older than I am. Kobe's, uh, you know, maybe 10 years younger and Dwayne, they're kind of the same age. So we could kind of relate a little bit of the sure. things. All right, with these young kids now, it's just like, I'm like, you got to be kidding. I have a daughter. I have a daughter your age. Right. So it's kind of like hard to understand, you know, even when we used to travel, you know, <laughs> You would travel with everything, your you know your um, your jerseys, your gym shoes, your suits, and your clothes. It was a time where the one thing that every every player had packed was their Xbox. Right. Yeah, that was, and that was the first thing they would connect when they got into the room, and they you know they'd be playing each other, and so so. I was just like, it's kind of. It, it's kind of hard for us to to kind of understand understand what's going on. You know, the uh, RJ, I think it's uh, RJ Barrett who just got uh, drafted by the uh, Knicks. I was just watching a video on him the other day, and they just showed him walking into the uh, Madison Square Garden, and you know they got the lights flashing and all the other stuff. I was, and to me, I was like, this kid's 18, 19 years old. That's that's not what you should be doing. That's not. That's just. That's too. It's too much too soon for that kid to to walk in what they call the mecca of basketball and all of a sudden have all these, you know, these lights flashing like, hey, you're the savior of the you're the savior of the of this team. God knows the Knicks need it. They need they oh, do God. need it. But I'm saying that's even more that's even more oh, pressure yeah. on trying to put on a trying to put on a trying to put on a kid. I just you know, and I under but see now the other way is that's what the kids are used to because from the AAU, from the high schools, they're used to all this stuff. They're used to seeing, you know, they're, they're used to having, you know, half a million followers in high school. They're used to po- po- uh, posting their stuff all the time. So that's that's kind of where the teams have seen things and they got to they gotta lead to, you know. What do they, they put up? We're in L.A. now. There's two um, billboards already up for Kawhi Leonard. Right, that, you know, by I think the Clippers. I don't know. I think it was the Clippers that put up, you know, trying to bring trying to bring them here. The recruiting process back in the back in the day, you know, in my generation, when I that was just you just didn't do that. 
Do you ever lose your temper with uh, someone you were working with? Oh, all the time. Yeah. What does that look like? Am I allowed to curse here? Please. Okay. Fuck you. Fuck you. All right, let's go. Really? Yeah. Because they're bullshitting. Yeah, that's it. So, you know, it was, uh, yeah. but we had strict rules. You know, we had strict rules. You know, like, listen, there's, no, I, I, I never allowed cell phones. All right. I said, listen, kids okay? Yeah, everybody in the family's good. Good. Nothing's that important then. Yeah. There's no, so I've had a rule to, when we're working out, when we're training, you put your cell phone away. You're not, if you want to post something on social media, it's after we're done. Nobody's following you out with a camera while we're doing because you're not in the moment. I need you. I need you here now. I need. I need you physically and I need you mentally, in the moment, all the all the time. And not to get like obviously I don't, you know you you do what you do and it and it's very specific and it should stay, um, vague. But just to get granular for a second, so you speak to that and you're working with a guy. Is it a set? Are you have you have you analyzed their game and come up with a strategy in which a certain amount of different drills, exercises yes. in which to build up their game? Yes, I have. But the first thing we always concentrate on is injury prevention. Mm. I don't care how high you can jump, how many points you can score, how well you're on defense. If you have a weak link in that body, we need to address that. So, you know, the first thing, the most important thing is your availability. Once we, once we address that, then we pay attention to it, and then we pay attention to everything else. Well, we pay attention to everything else. You know, I see athletes out for so long with sprained ankles and fingers, and, and those, all those things are they're, they're preventable. They really are. You know, the severity of a sprained ankle is easily preventable, but the amount of time it takes to work that little joint, it's very tedious. Oh, my God. I'm still walking off a sprained ankle from, like, 2014. Yeah. I still feel that shit. Yeah, it's very tedious, but so there's things that you can do to pre- to prevent those things. And that's where if they get distracted with other things, it's nobody when I say you pay attention to the little details, uh, you know, it's like okay, you'll see an athlete and you know, you'll be like, "Man, they got they got great arms, look at their legs." Or no one's ever you've never seen him, but man, that that basketball player, he's got great ankles, or she's got great ankles, because it doesn't show. It doesn't show in the journey. James but, Harden, yeah, beautiful ankles. <laughs> but how important is that? Right. You know how important is that? I mean, it, you know how many how many games have you missed in a person's career because you didn't pay attention to those little things? You didn't pay attention to those little things. Will you? Do you ever find that someone in the coaching staff is threatened by you all the time? Yeah, tell me about that. Uh, all, all, all the time. All, I've never worked for an organization. I've always worked for an outside or, or organization. All right, but I'm very cordial. I always tell, I always sit down with the organization people. I just say, listen, we're all in this together. What What do you want to see? What What are your goals for this athlete? What do you want? I, I said, are there certain exercises that you want him to? That you want this individual to incorporate? Are there certain? You know, every team has a. Uh, you know, a test that they must pass during the preseason. What are those tests? What are the things? So I said, listen, it, we can, we're going to do this together. I said, you're not going to be able to see this individual all the time. All right. Because they're traveling during the, during the off season and during things. If you tell me what needs to be done. And most of the time they get they're they're okay with it. Cause one thing I always do is I, I give the accolades to everybody. So listen, this is not a one-person job. Everybody, we're all in this together. The 
the more you do, the better I look, the better, the more I do, the better you look. So we all look, we all win it. We all win this together. And I've had such, I've been in the business for so long and my reputation, uh, uh, you know, supersedes what I do and everything. So a lot of the the hierarchies are like, Hey, listen, we're, we're okay. But I never do my work in a facility. I never do it inside the uh, training facility. If I do it inside their training facility, it's when nobody else is there. Mm. You know, and I never try to solicit other. I never go, hey, you should do this. Or if I see another player doing something, I never go. And I respect, I respect the other other person's work, and I do I do what I need to do, and I leave. It's you know, it's what we talked about earlier. Certain things are just not. They're not privy to me. I'm, I, you know, obviously the players. The players and coaching staff, they can work out in the facilities. They get to eat there. The food is great. They get to take I go If I'm in the facility, I do what I need to do, and I'm out. I'm not Smart. S- I'm not sitting there watching TV. Not, not on not, the catnip. No. I'm in, and, I, and I'm in, and I'm out. And, and I'm out. I'd be it. in there grabbing free Gatorades. Yeah. So much free <laughs> shit. You know what I'm there saying? There is a lot of free stuff in there. You know, it's <laughs> funny. I married, I'm like the uh, hot-blooded Jew from New York who mm-hmm. married into this, like, super athletic family and I, I i bet you're familiar my father-in-law is ken o'brien sure who was you know a quarterback for the jets yes and it's just fascinating watching now being part of this sports family it's so to me uh refreshing compared to like actors and artistry mm-hmm. and i venture to guess or at least this is my assumption is that because you have to hit it before you're re- realistically 30 but like if you're great before you're 40 like you've got such a small window to perform that you can't be 38 you know waiting tables being like there i'm telling you csi's gonna call yeah you know it's like you gotta you have to be that dedicated you can't bullshit no and the ones that bullshit their their careers are short i mean if you look at it'll be a great example i mean obviously you're a sports fan if you look at an nba draft from five years ago and you just go down the first uh the first picks in the in the first round, you'd be like, "Damn, well, yeah, he's gone. What happened to him? Gone?" Duh, duh, uh, they'll be like, "What? What? What's happened?" And th- those are the ones that you know. I always say, the day you get drafted and you shake the commissioner's hand, I say, "Congratulations! It's the last day of your career," because everybody, oh, I finally made it. I right. exhale. You know, I'm here. So they throw these big parties and so forth. I got a great story about Kobe at age 17. When he got drafted, he was 17 when he, when he got drafted. He played 20, 20 years in the league. He was the only guy in his draft class that did not have a draft party. He went and worked out at age 17. Yeah. At age 17. Everybody else, man, you know, I'm celebrating. I'm high-fiving individuals. Either After he got drafted, he did his interviews right to the gym. Why did he play 20 years? Why was he so successful? Those are the, those are the reasons. I heard, I've heard a rumor about Kobe mm-hmm. that win or lose, he would shoot 50 free throws before he left the gym. Yeah. All the time. Really? Yeah. And I, I mean, this so dedicated. So listen, it was a story with him in the Olympics um, when Coach K was it. And, you know, they had all the other players. You know, they had LeBron, they had D-Wade, they had all these other superstars. So Coach K calls Kobe over and says, hey, he goes, listen, he goes, with the offense that we're going to run, he goes, you're going to have uncontested shots. 
Kobe looks at coach. He goes, I've been playing, I don't know how many years. He goes, I never get an open look. He goes, no, you're going to, he goes, the way we're going to do this, he goes, you're going to get an open look. So Kobe goes, well, where am I going to get the open looks from? He goes, you're going to get the open looks from both corners. He goes, you will be wide open in the corners. Now, most of Kobe's career, that's the shot that he least takes. Least takes. Okay. This was after the first Olympic uh, practice or the meeting that, that he was with. So every day after that, every day, all right, leading up to the Olympics, Kobe would make 500 shots, not shoot, make 500 shots from one corner and go to the other corner and make 500 shots. Not once a day, not twice a day, three times a day. No way. Yeah. Not so hard when you got someone rebounding for you, though, right? That's well, if you saw if you saw me walking in here, that's why you see me kind of wobbling. Were you rebounding I for was him? One, I was one of the rebounders, yeah, because you know he these they don't want other people in there knowing what's what's going on, right? Well, and and it would be a crazy it would be at crazy hours, so that was part of that was part of the job. So fifteen hundred shots, yeah, that's unreal. Uh-huh. Is there? Do you ever see this amount of drive and? Is there ever a part of you that feels a little bad for a player? I mean, granted, they're being, you know. No, because you know what? They, they If they're not doing that, they're going to set the person next to them on fire. Right. This is so, they're, they're all, they're all, no matter what they do, they're all in. I mean, you know, you're in the entertainment business. Kobe, he won an Oscar. So, you know, he takes his competitive thing from no longer playing basketball into something. They have to continue. It doesn't stop. It just fuels in something else. The pressure doesn't stop. It just takes a different form, and they take it and put it into, and they put it into, some, and into something else. You know, you went from, you know, you went from, act, you went from, act, you did acting, you did voiceovers, you've done YouTube, you know, you've done all this stuff. It's just, it's. You take that passion, you take that that drive that comes with that passion, and you just fuel it into something else. You fuel it into something else. You fuel it into something else. Now, you know, you have one of the most successful podcasts, if I remember right, like last count was eight and a half million followers, if I remember, or something. On Instagram. Instagram, yeah, yes, yes. yes. On Instagram, excuse me. On Instagram. It, it's, you know... It's just the fuel is just taken from one thing and put into something else and put into something else and put into something. It just takes a different form. Your competitive nature doesn't stop. And, you know, people look at you and they're like, oh, yeah, he's an easygoing guy. He's, you know, he's soft. Sweetheart. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But the salt of the earth. Right. I yeah. See Except it. twinkle in the eye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except when you're challenged or, or, the, or, you know, you're like, somebody pushes you and say, you can't do this or, you know, you're like, Watch me. Yeah. Yeah. Heart of a Jewish lion. Yeah. <laughs> um, what is there? Is it hard? You spend so much of your life around elite athletes, people that are pushing themselves to these incredible levels of success. Is it hard for you to be around normal people? It is. I bet. It, it is. Because you just, you just don't understand it. You see people make an excuse or they'll say something. And I'm just like, okay, it just doesn't, just doesn't register with me. I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't get it. My daughter always tells me, she said, Dad, you, she goes, you have no weird R. Like you don't, what other people think is weird, you just don't, you're like, well, it's, it's all right with me. You know, I'll see you. 
I'll see a person, you know, do something that's just totally off the wall. I'm like, okay, yeah. Because in order to do something special, in order to do something extraordinary, you got to be a little crazy. You have to be a little off. You can't think like everybody else. You know, if, and what I always do is I take, I don't do, like I said earlier, I don't do many podcasts. So, and I like to research the individuals that I do podcasts with, because like I said, I want them to have, make sure they've accomplished something and they're just not an individual that's just popular for doing nothing. Think about, and I said this earlier, think about all the different voices that you have to do. You know, just think what go what goes into that, and how that and then how that makes you feel, and how nutty you have to be up here to be able to do that. If yeah. you think about it, if you thought and did it like everybody else, you couldn't do it. Like I'm mesmerized when when I see people do things that other people that just they can't, other people just can't do. I always relate that to a talent. Not a, a, it could have a gift, but it's where you matured that gift, the way you use that talent to get you what, what you want, to separate yourself from the pack. Nobody who's done anything extraordinary thinks like everybody else. So when somebody says you're crazy, you're nuts, your answer to them should be thank you. It should be thank you. Because if you thought like everybody else, you would be like everybody. You would be like everybody else. So, Kobe, Michael, they they win an NBA championship in June. Closed down shop, right? We did it. We took it all the way. When's the first time they call you? Is it July? Is well, no, it, it it depends. So with Michael, after every what we did was, it was always on Labor Day. Labor Day was so because they'd end up end up playing all the way till the middle of June, right? So you know he'd have to obviously his family obligations, his endorsement things, all this other stuff. He would do that, and he would get everything in. But once Labor Day hit, it was golf, workout, golf, workout, golf. Done. That was it. That was it. Now, when he came back, uh, when he played baseball and he came back and. They lost to Orlando during that during that season during that season, and we were sitting we were sitting um, we were sitting after the game, and I said I, I said Michael when you uh, I said call me when I uh, when you want me to see me he goes I'll see you tomorrow, yeah. He goes I'll see you tomorrow. Was there a part of you when Mike said I'm going to go play AAA ball baseball where you were like Mike don't do it. Well, no. <laughs> no, I wasn't because, you know, it was something that he wanted to do. The only thing that I, the explanation I made, I said, listen, the muscles that are used in baseball and the muscles that are used in basketball are totally different. Mm. I said, they're totally, totally different. All right. And, you know, I give an example, like when you shoot a basketball, you, you know, you shoot a basketball elbow up arc, you know, to get the most circumference of the rim to go in. I said, Michael, what position are you going to play in baseball? He goes, I'm going to be playing in the field, you know, right field, left field, whatever it, whatever it may be. I said, okay, but I said, understand this. Now, when you throw a baseball from the outfield in, there's no arc on the ball. It's a line drive because you need to get it from point A to point B. Right. So I said, the way we train the torso, the way we train the core, the way we train the shoulder, it's totally different. 
So, and the reason I made that point is like, you're not going to be able to shoot the basketball the same way. Sure. Yeah, because we're we're going to be training the muscles to work differently in the different angles and so forth, different velocity. So I wanted to make sure he under, he he understood he understood that. And yeah, he was he was fine. He was he was all in. You know, obviously everybody would have loved to see him still continue to play basketball, and they would like, are right, two more? You know, possibly another two more championships could have been it could have been eight could have been eight straight, but the amount and I don't even I haven't seen any athlete be scrutinized that much have that much media attention that everything that they did every single part was everybody was watching everybody it, it, everybody was criticizing everybody was wanted a piece wanted a piece of wanted a piece of him and it just it just got to be it just got to be too much to always be perfect yeah you know, always be perfect i'm not talking about i'm just talking about you know the, what the way he dressed the way he talked you know the way he handled the media uh to show up in practice everything it just like it was always it was always everything had to be perfect and that, that gets to be gets to be a lot you know what i would have said to mike mike you don't know nobody nothing yeah you go play that baseball and then follow it up with some hockey. Well, that's well, what it's, you know what? It's funny that you sport. said that. That's what his father told him. His father said, you want to go play baseball? Go play baseball. And this, it was sort of reactionary from when his father passed away. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. That's incredible. This is, uh, this is my last question before my last question, but it, it ties into what you just said. I heard something said once about like great tennis players that are on their way up. And it's much into this audition process, right? Mm -hmm. Where like you get a, an audition and then a callback and then another callback and then maybe you don't, it doesn't work out on the screen test or the chemistry read because maybe you feel like you're not as good when it, sure. the pressure's totally on or maybe there's something arbitrary out of your control. Sure. And they talked about these tennis players and said, the problem with a lot of the people that are coming in second and third over and over and over again is that they feel the need to switch up their game mm. because they go nuts and they go like, why is this not connecting? Instead of being like, I'm so fucking close. Yes. I just need to double down on what's working yeah. and wait for my time. That's, that's, why, that's, that's your foundation. Those are your fundamentals. You don't change your foundation. You don't take, you'd only change the foundation. You can have the, you can have the nicest things in your house. You're going to have the most expensive chandelier, have the nicest furniture, have all this other stuff, have all this art on the wall. If that foundation is not working, everything else is going to come crumbling down. So stay, people give up too soon. They get too close. Just keep grinding it. Keep finding it out. Don't, don't be constantly changing things. But now with our social media out there, that's what we do. We never master anything. It's everything is all about, you know, you listen to one person one week and then I, then you're listening to somebody else and you continue to listen to all these people until you hear the message you want to hear or the answer that you want to hear instead of listening to something that you need to hear. There's a big, there's a big, there's a huge difference between the two. If you look around long enough, you're going to get the answer. You're going to get the answer you want. And most of the time, the answer you want isn't the right answer. You got to fight through it. You got to stay. You got to stay with it. You got to continue to push through it. You got to continue to grind. People want to change and go in different directions too soon. They're too easily distracted 
and they, they don't have clarity. There isn't a clear vision in their head because they're not thinking for themselves. They're usually thinking about some, somebody else is usually doing the thinking for them because as you go on in life, whether it's good things or bad things, a lot of people, they don't, they're not who they really are. They become somebody else. They start living somebody else's life because they're always worried about what somebody else is going to say, what somebody else is going to think. And instead of being you, the, the, one of the most foundation, fundamental principles of success is you have to know exactly who you are. And those individuals that are constantly changing, when they get so close, they forget who they are. Mm. You know, you look at your great, your most talented people in your business, they know exactly who they are. Your most successful athletes, they know exactly who they are. They don't care what anybody else thinks about them. They have very short memories. They don't react to everything that's said about them. I'll give you an example. Like you just said about on your on your uh, Instagram, how many people message you and say, you know, you're not this, you're not that. If you let Every little thing that's said about you create an emotion or a reaction from you. You would literally spend the next 20 years, that's all you'd be doing. I like to make mental lists of these people. Yeah. And I like to think about, what if I went, what if I got their address? Yeah. What if I went to their door? Right. With some mace or some kind of weapon. But you know what's even better? And even the score. Right. But you know what's even better? What? You go from 8.5. To nine million. Yeah. That's, and, and you don't even have to say a word. And then you, you can be so famous you send someone else to Mace then. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what I'm saying? I know exactly what Once you're saying. Once removed. Uh, yes, yes. I don't know that guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, final question, Tim. I, I so appreciate you doing this oh, and thank my you. My pleasure. Um, it's the question I ask everyone on the podcast. What is your one or two Tim Grover commandments, truths that you have discovered that you would want to impress upon someone else? Well, one of the things that is, it's not going to be easy. It's not supposed to be easy. All right. That's why everybody, oh man, or you got lucky. No, you didn't get lucky. You put it, you got to, you got to put it. I know it sounds like a cliche, but you have to put it, you have to put in the work. You have to put in the grind. You have to stay with it. Now, you have to be working at the right things. All right. You know, if you don't have talent in it, like, okay, here's a great example. All right. I have zero talent in voiceover or acting. None. All right. So I'm not going to try to spend my time trying to be successful in something I don't have talent in, mm. all right? If you don't have talent to be an athlete, don't spend, a, don't spend years and years trying to, do, trying to do that. You have to find out what you have talent in. If you have talent in it, then you have to have the intelligence that goes behind the talent. If you have the intelligence that goes behind the talent, you have to be extremely competitive and then you have to be resilient. You have to be resilient. It's exactly what you said about the tennis players. You know, when they get to that point, they stop being resilient. And if you continue to be resilient, you'll get you'll get to that you'll get to that you'll get to that next level. And the other thing I try and I, I've kind of said this: know exactly who you are and understand 
that there's more than one way to get what you want. Just because you failed at it one way. I wanted to be a professional basketball player. All right. Blew out my knee. But even if I didn't blow out my knee, I was never going to be a professional basketball player. I I was fortunate enough to play at a collegiate level. All right. But I knew I wanted to be involved in professional sports. So many people would think, well, if I don't become a professional athlete, I'm a failure. That was the only... No, there's many ways of still being involved in a sport and not being a player. You could be a trainer, you could be a coach, you could be the video person, you could be the owner, you could be the scout. So there's more than one way to get what you want instead of just letting it hit in your head and say, if I don't do this, I'm going, I, I failed. Failure is something you decide whether you failed at it or not. In the entertainment business, look how many different ways you've succeeded. Look how many different ways you succeeded. We're no different than anybody. We're not different than anybody. We don't have any special talent. You know, it wasn't when we were born, you know, God didn't say, this is what this person's going to do. This is what this person's going to do. No. All right. This is something that we can all learn. We can all learn, but in order to learn it, you have to know exactly who you are. Man, thank you so much. My pleasure, This is such a pleasure. Thank you. Awesome. That was it. That was Tim. Can you believe that? Come on, podcasting. So great. Anyway, guys, have a great week. Love you. Talk to you soon. Bye.